You're listening to the Startup Finance Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, a show entirely focused on helping you to build a financially fit and fundable business. On this show, we connect you with finance aficionados to impart their expertise to help your business grow. The Startup Finance Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community and voice for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe to this Startup Finance Podcast through iTunes and Google Play Music. This podcast is presented in partnership with MasterCard, a technology company in the global payments industry. MasterCard's global payments processing network connects consumers, financial institutions, merchants, governments in more than 210 countries and territories. MasterCard products and solutions make everyday commerce activities such as shopping, traveling, running a business, and even managing your finances easier, more secure, and more efficient. I am your host, Dr. Sean Wise, Professor of Entrepreneurship at Ryerson University. I bring more than 19 years experience in seed investing, including five seasons spent supporting CBC's Dragon's Den. I've published dozens of articles for Profit, Inc., and even Canadian Business, as well as several best-selling books on venture capital, entrepreneurship, and pitching ideas. Want to connect with me after this podcast? Join me at 100stepstostartup.com. We're thrilled to have Janine Rogan as our guest today. Janine is a Calgary-based CPA and personal finance expert at her namesake company, JanineRogan.com. She is incredibly passionate about financial literacy and shares her wealth of knowledge to individuals and businesses across Canada. In the past few years, Janine has written over 600 articles pertaining to personal finance with expertise spanning from RESPs, RRSPs, investing, taxes, and even home buying. In today's podcast, we'll talk to Janine about how she's helping Canadians take control of their finances and live a value-based life. Welcome to the show, Janine. Thanks, Janine, for coming in to chat with us. It's a, it's a real pleasure. 600 articles all about taxes and financing. Do you ever run out of things to talk about? No, there is a wealth of things to write about. There's always regulations that are changing and there's always things that are top of mind for people, such as this year, we saw an influx of articles on uh, cryptocurrency. So it keeps me busy. Oh, I'm sure it does. So we have lots we could talk about, but I want to ask you right at the beginning, what learnings do you want our listeners to walk away with today at the end of this? The biggest thing I want people to understand is that money does not have to be scary and it really shouldn't cause you stress. And I know that's not the case for a lot of people. But once your finances are under control, they can be used as a tool to help you achieve your goals and live a life that you value and love. A lot of people look at their finances as a have to do. I have to fill this out for taxes. And I'm always surprised because I find the financial statements are dashboards that actually give you insight into the day-to-day running of your business. How do you help people get from that must-have fear item to really seeing them as a financial tool to help guide the strategy of the business? I think once you get past the point of having to tick boxes and fill 
forms out and you have things under control, it becomes a lot easier to, like you said, have insight into where you're spending money. They always say, um, if you want to know what your values are, take a look at where you spend your money. And I think that that can be true for individuals as well as businesses. So once you can get people to that point, I think they start to see why that has valuable insight. Now, a lot of people don't even turn their minds to their finances in their first year. They figure we're not making a profit. We're not making huge revenues. I don't really need to do any planning. And I find that a terrible strategy. I much prefer that you start your bookkeeping, you start your financial projections before you start spending money. What's your best practice on that? When do you think first-time founders and new entrepreneurs should really embrace financial literacy? I absolutely agree with you. They should be starting before they even open up their business. Having kind of a roadmap as to where they want to go for their business is incredibly important, as well as understanding what product lines or services are profitable for them so that you aren't wasting time and dollars on things that aren't going to make you money in the long run. Oh, I think that's very valuable. So let's let's drill down. I love lists. So when entrepreneurs are just starting up, what are the top sort of five things that you recommend they focus on? Uh, things they, they should know about their finances, whether it's tax credits or bookkeeping or using an online cloud system to track everything. So I think the first thing would be to keep records of everything and use an online Um, or I guess a a system that you download, but making sure that you have an accounting and invoicing system available to you so that you can keep track of everything. The second thing would be determining whether or not you need to incorporate. And there can be a variety of factors that go into this, but it would be important to speak to an accountant and really understand what area your business is in before making this decision. The third thing I would tell individuals before they start a business is if they can make sure that they have an emergency fund. So that's some cash set aside to help them float through those rough months where they might not be able to pay themselves their full salary. And this will really take the financial stress off of starting that new business. The fourth thing I would tell individuals is that tax deductions are going to differ depending on whether or not you incorporate, which kind of goes into the point I discussed a little bit earlier. And so it would be very important to talk to a tax professional about this if you are looking at incorporating. And the last thing that is important for individuals to know before starting a business is know your break even on what you're selling. And I did mention this before, but whether it's number of units sold or hours worked, it's really important to understand when you'll be profitable so that you can make the best business decisions. I once heard that uh, financial snapshots are the the dashboard of the the car that you're driving that is your business. Do do you think so? Do you think that they can be proactive and you can use them to make better decisions? Absolutely. And I think that's a great analogy. If, you know, the little light goes on in your dashboard of your car, you're going to stop and take a look at what's going on there. And I think the same can hold true for your finances. If something isn't making sense or you aren't... um, turning a profit where you think you should be, you might want to drill down and look at why that is. What role do you think the the financial advisor, the accountant, the tax planner should be playing? I mean, entrepreneurs can't run their business generally and keep up with all of the intricacies of our tax system and our accounting-based system. So, so what value and what role do you think outside advisors play in the early days of a startup or small business? 
ultimately you're going to want to find someone who can be that trusted business advisor. But I think it's very important to understand the difference between a bookkeeper and accountant and a tax professional. So a bookkeeper is someone who's going to help you stay on top of those accounting entries. And that can be useful for some people who really don't have a lot of time. An accountant is going to help you with audited financial statements or preparing um, any reports that you might need for your business and for funding. And you're really going to want to look to someone who is trained with a technical tax background when you're looking at filing those returns and you're looking at how to structure your business. That's a great answer. Not everybody is connected to an accounting rep and not everyone knows how to choose one. What kind of questions do you hear from clients that go on to be great clients? What kind of questions should our entrepreneurs be asking as they look for a service professional? I think one of the biggest things these days, especially because the CPA designation has merged, is really understanding what their background is. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking for someone that does taxes, you're going to want to ask the question, what kind of clients have they worked with before and um, if they can help you in that specific situation. I think that's uh, that's great advice. When you see a good relationship between a, a service professional and a founder? How often are they connecting? Because some people think it's it's once a year when you bring the shoebox in. And I see every <laughs> look of horror on, on CAs and CPAs faces when I say that line. What's your experience? Is, is, is it more regular than the once a year? Yes, absolutely. I think the best relationships between a client and a CPA is one where if the client is looking at making a big business decision, they pick up the phone and actually call their CPA before they make that decision so that they can understand all of the implications to their business before they go ahead and do that. So it's similar to a lawyer. You're not just using them to file paperwork. You're using them to reflect and get strategies because those people may have a different viewpoint or they may have other clients that have gone through it. Absolutely. That's fabulous. Now let's talk about you. I know it's not, uh, you're not a, a person who loves to talk about themselves, but let's, let's do that for a minute if I can. C- tell me about your journey, your journey of writing and speaking and, and, and talking about financial freedom to businesses and to individuals. How does one, how did you get started with that? And, and, and where are you today with that? So it all started back in university. Um, a girlfriend lent me the book, Automatic Millionaire. She was in a class at university that had this as one of the required readings, and she thought I would find it interesting. And as I was reading it, it was one of those moments where the light bulb went off and it just clicked. And from that point on, I was hooked. Um, As I finished my business degree and started my CPA designation, I started to write on the side on my website. And the two really just kind of married nicely, having that business acumen as well as that passion for financial literacy. And so I started writing more and eventually started speaking. And it's been great these past few years now that I'm done my designation. I've really started to focus more on the speaking side of things and running workshops in Calgary and Edmonton. And it's been a lot of hard work and a lot of late nights, but it's definitely been worth it. You know, you mentioned their financial literacy, and it it appalls me at the low level of financial literacy across our great nation, and it appalls me that the financial literacy isn't a high school requirement. But uh, why do you think so few people are financially literate, considering that the money is the scoreboard that you're going to use to keep track of the success of your business? I think 
The biggest thing is because it's still taboo to talk about. People aren't willing to share their salary numbers without getting kind of awkward. Or it's easy to laugh off when someone makes a silly money choice. Like, oh, I put too much on my credit card this month and your friend will laugh as opposed to people holding each other accountable. And I think ultimately, if we want to change that, it's really going to have to start in schools and not just in high school. I think we need to be having conversations with children all the way through grade school about money and making it so that it's not a scary thing to talk about. Yeah, when I was growing up, we were doing lemonade stands and, and selling bookmarks even as young as seven, eight, or nine. So I think financial literacy needs to be integrated. Where can people go to become more financially literate? How can they learn? Is there an online place? Is there an easy place for, for, for young entrepreneurs, in particular millennials, to sort of digest it a little at a time, just get a little smarter around financial literacy at a time? There's a lot of great books out there as well as websites that have a, a wealth of information. I think for money basics, I would look to maybe YouTube, especially the millennial de demographic really likes to be online. So if you can just Google one question you have about money and watch a five minute video and apply that to your life. I think if you did that once a month in 12 months, you'll have tackled 12 aspects of money in your life. And you'll definitely have increased your, your own business acumen and your financial literacy. Now, you, you mentioned in your talks, and I know you're famous for talking about financial freedom. So tell me what financial freedom looks like and feels like, and how should people try to get there in their individual or business life? Financial freedom is going to be different for everyone. But to me, I think it's the point where you no longer need your full-time job to support you financially. So you have enough passive income and enough investments that you're able to cover your expenses on a monthly basis. And you're ultimately choosing to work because it's something that you're really passionate about or you choose to retire. And the best advice that I can give for people that want to achieve financial freedom is really to start saving and investing early. You don't need $100,000 to invest these days, especially with the movement towards AI and robo-advisors. You can literally start with $10 or $25, and that's exactly what I started with um, years ago. And while it doesn't seem like a lot of money, in a short period of time, you're going to see it really start to grow. So when you're talking about AI and robo-advisors, you're talking about the fact that, that most investment firms, the large ones, they want you to have hundreds of thousands of dollars to give them to manage, and that's not always available. And so companies like Wealthsimple and Nest Capital and a variety of others have used technology like machine learning and artificial intelligence and so-called robo-advisors. Have you found that a useful way to get people up to speed? Does it, does it become easier once they can click it online as opposed to having to call into a broker to make a decision? Absolutely. And I think it's a nice, happy medium between going into a bank and talking to a banking professional and trying to do it yourself. Because do it yourself investing can be a little bit daunting for someone who has never really looked at investing. So if you're going to start with $50 a month, signing up on an app and having that direct uh, transfer from your checkings account really makes it easy for people to sign up. And it really doesn't matter how much you start with. The key is to start. Yeah, it's about building that habit. Yeah. 
So you also talk a lot about living a value-based life. So what's a value-based life and what does that have to do with financial freedom and, and financial planning? Ultimately, if you're living a value-based life, you're really spending money on things that add value. And that sounds kind of intuitive, but I think a lot of people say that they're spending money on things they value, but they actually don't. So for a Can good, you give me an example? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say a great example is um, my husband and I really enjoy eating out at nice restaurants. So we go out once a month and we eat at a new restaurant in Calgary. And so to do that, we have decided that buying lunch every day at work isn't something that adds value to our life. So, I mean, you can spend 10 or $15 on a lunch at the food court and it's probably fairly mediocre. And so that is something that we've just decided doesn't really add value, but going out and not depriving ourselves of something that we really enjoy doing together and spending time together is something that we are going to put our money towards. Well, $10 a day for lunch, 20 work days, there's $200. That's definitely a start towards the fine dining at the end of the month. Absolutely. Where do those who have just started start? What is that? Should you, should you define your values first? Should you, you try to do an analysis of what finances you have? Should you bust out the spreadsheets and work backwards from the projections? Where when someone is just listening to you now and they say, okay, I'm in, I believe, where should they start? I think writing down what you value is really important. So if that's time with a loved one, how do you, how does money help you achieve that? And of course there are ways that you can not spend money and spend time with people, but are there activities that you enjoy doing that um, cost money and how much do those cost or is buying lunch something, the convenience factor, is that something that you value? So really understanding your top few values and how much those cost, I think that's the first starting point. And then you can go back through all of those records that you have and see where you're actually spending your money and see if those are lining up. Well, I, I think those are great best practices. Um, what are your other best practices for entrepreneurs who are looking to balance their personal and business finances? The biggest thing would be to keep everything separate so that your accountant is not pulling their hair out at the end of the year. Or if you're doing it yourself, you aren't pulling your hair out at the end of the year. And I think it's really important to understand how your business is doing. And if you keep everything separate, you hopefully won't end up pulling all of your own personal savings into your business. And ultimately, this will allow you to pay yourself on a regular basis, which is also very important. What, what about the opposite of best practices? Let's look back on, on some of the clients that you've had an opportunity to work with. What are some of the preventable mistakes that we can learn from? I think when things start to become a problem, you need to have the conversation as soon as possible. So just closing your eyes and ignoring it, especially if it has to do with taxes, is not probably the best way to deal with things because eventually CRA will come knocking. And so if you're in a situation where you're feeling overwhelmed and maybe you haven't filed your taxes or you haven't gone through your shoebox in years, the first step is not to panic and freak out. There is definitely things that can be done and forms that can be filed to help you get on the right side with the CRA, but the sooner you do it, the better. And what kind of mistakes have people made that you wish others would not when it comes to personal finance and business planning? Personal finance, I think I would want people, again, to start looking at their money 
sooner than they have. A lot of people don't really start to take their finances seriously until a child arrives, I find. And then it can be really challenging because you have that added expense. So if you can start to tackle your finances before that, that's very important. And on the business side of things, again, keeping everything separate can really mitigate that headache at the end of the year. Now, you've mentioned that one of the reasons you can write so much is that all the rules keep changing and the regulations are always in flux. Our federal government this year explored uh, in the public sector uh, lots of different uh, options for tax changes. In the end, they narrowed it down to only a handful. What's your takeaway? What are are sort of the things that have changed this year that our audience should be aware of? In terms of corporate tax, they were looking at the amount of passive income individuals or I guess corporations are earning within their business. And I do think that that's something that needs to be addressed in Canada, which is maybe not a popular opinion. I don't think it ends up taking away from small business owners because there is a threshold, but it is something that I think a lot of people could have been using to maybe not pay their fair share of tax. So that was definitely one of the larger changes from a corporate standpoint. In addition to that, they did lower the small business tax rates. So for businesses that are just starting out and have incorporated, that is something very positive for small business owners. From a personal standpoint, I think the biggest financial, and it's kind of financial and emotional change that I saw this year was the use it or lose it parental leave, which I think is fantastic and will really start to help even the playing field in terms of financial wealth in the business industry. I think those are are great pieces of feedback. Now, more and more millennials are becoming entrepreneurs for a variety of reasons, much larger than we could ever discuss here. Uh, What do you think about that trend? And more importantly, how do you feel they could be better prepared to take on that responsibility? I feel very positive about the fact that there are more millennials being entrepreneurs. I think our generation is going to do amazing things and solve a lot of great um, problems that we have. So I think it's great that they are becoming entrepreneurs. And unfortunately, they probably don't have that financial literacy or business acumen that um, maybe previous generations did because it isn't being taught in schools. And I think one of the biggest things would be we need to make sure that we're creating a safe space for those millennials that are becoming business owners to ask those vulnerable and important questions so that they can make the right decisions for their business. Now, where can people go to find that safe space other than your website? The internet is obviously a great place to start. And there are a lot of organizations within each province that offer advice for entrepreneurs. So I know here in Alberta, ATB is doing some great stuff in the community with their entrepreneur center. And there is Alberta women entrepreneurs as an organization, and some of them even offer grants. So depending on where you live in Canada, it would be extremely important and valuable to look up what organizations are available to you. And if they even have 
funding opportunities for you. Well, I think groups like GEO and Futurepreneur and the BDC Seed Program are all great examples of federal programs. And then, you, as you mentioned, there's a lot of provincial support. Really just becoming engaged in a community is a great way to learn. Now, we're going to have to wrap up, but I, I wanted to, to ask you if you have any final tips or advice for our listeners who are trying to manage their personal and business finances. Final tips, I think, would be that, yes, money in your business and personal life can be daunting, but if you ignore it, it's only going to become worse. So you really need to start as soon as you can, and you need to allocate some time weekly and monthly to check in and take steps towards your own version of financial freedom, so whether that's putting $10 away every week or understanding and starting to understand those financials in your business. It's going to be incredibly important to take those baby steps. And if you don't plan and save for your future, then no one else is going to do it for you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Finance Podcast, a show dedicated to providing entrepreneurs with advice and experiences on startup finance. Want to access more resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca to gain access to support, resources, and events. And be sure while you're there to check out all the other original Startup Canada podcast series on the Startup Canada Podcast Network.